0: so i read something in the morning today and it kind of got me thinking so i wanted to talk about it uh somebody um some girl she wrote so this is like a platform where people write their problems and then the the audience can give their solutions in the comment section she writes that uh, my boyfriend is suffering from anxiety and low self-esteem and he has told me that Um, a lot of times he gets very anxious when he doesn't hear from me etc etc so um, i've tried to break up with him but i'm afraid that he'll harm himself what should i do and i was expecting people would be like um maybe you should take your boyfriend to therapy maybe you should go to therapy with him etc etc most of the people actually ninety nine point nine percent of people almost every single thing every single comment i read was break up with him break up with him and the the ruling sentiment the main emotion was oh you have to put yourself first And actually, I was surprised. Some people were like, Oh, don't feel guilty if you break up with him. You have to do what's right for you. You have to put yourself first. It actually disturbed me. Because I felt like, Wow. have I don't know. Have have we become that selfish? Or has the the dynamics of the entire relationship thing changed? Because the way... I think a relationship is supposed to be is that you navigate through the highs and the lows together and you work your way around them if your idea of a relationship is um, the first the first instance where an inconvenience is caused to you by another you are like sorry time out I have to put myself first where does it stop um does that also include like your parents if tomorrow like my mother or my father somebody gets sick and that's causing me a lot of inconvenience that's causing me a lot of financial loss what do i say sorry um i have to put myself first you can take care of yourself bye i don't know i really don't know somebody has a mental illness um And that's why you want to break up with them and you are not supposed to feel guilty so then perhaps a relationship like a romantic or a sexual relationship is only supposed to be for the immediate pleasure it's the moment it stops giving you that immediate high the moment you stop having fun perhaps the idea is that the purpose of that relationship has ended it was really weird Yeah, it was mind-boggling that so many people were willing to jump and say that just break up with him and don't feel guilty, you have to put yourself first. I don't know, when your friends or your loved ones are in trouble, I don't know, a lot of things about life would change if I moved with that attitude um, in all of my relationships. A valid reason to break up with somebody would be that I don't want to be with them, period, regardless of whether or not they have anxiety. That would be a valid reason, I think. That wouldn't be the most compassionate thing to do when a person is suffering with debilitating anxiety because I have been there and I kind of can imagine how it feels. So yeah, it wouldn't be the most compassionate thing to do, but fine, you don't like the person, so you break up with them. But break up with them because they have anxiety? I don't understand that really. So in mental illness, right, when you're with somebody, um, you feel like, or at least this is what I thought, what would I do? And what behaviors would I justify if I was with somebody who had a mental health issue? by the way there is no such thing as a perfect mental health so we all come with our own complexes baggages patterns etc so anyways if somebody has an identifiable mental health um, issue if they have a very low self-esteem and that's causing me a lot of inconvenience because that means that every two year two hours they have to hear from me if they don't they start to panic they start to suffer anxiety what would i do i thought to myself that just like in all other situations in relationships right there has to be a demarcation of okay fine there is anxiety that, that's the truth so we can work with that now in that there are there is some behavior that i will accept and some behavior that i won't accept so, for example, there is for example, if there is violence of any kind in any relationship, that I would say don't ever accept um, whether the person is like, "Oh, my anxiety is causing me to do this or my depression or you know whatever problem they are facing um, in that situation again, you can still choose to go to a counselor go to a therapist to get them treated um, and wait for the wait for the treatment to take effect and see if there's a change in in their behavior however if you don't want to go through that process with a person with a guy or a girl who has been violent towards you um, i wouldn't really like i would understand so that is a complete no-go however if somebody is um, causing me inconvenience or causing me some frustration. Like for example, um, if my partner has anxiety and they because they have debilitating anxiety right now, they need to be... It's like a constant reassurance that this person needs to be given. Sometimes they may start fights for no reason, whatever it is. So those things, they aren't actually depending on to what extent of course if somebody is pulling you down calling you names that i don't i wouldn't even call that um, a mental health problem that's that would be more them trying to manipulate you um, but if that's not the case if somebody is just like they need constant reassurance if they don't hear you sometimes uh, hear from you for two hours they get panicky and they're like oh my god where are you where are you where are you they keep calling That is more an inconvenience than it is um, manipulation or anything else. And then if your partner is honest enough to admit in front of you that, hey, you know, I have anxiety and I have a very low self-esteem. So this makes me panic. That's a very solid solid self-awareness and honesty. And usually people are so preoccupied with trying to portray an image that they won't talk about it unless A. They are being very honest with you, truthfully honest or B. They are trying to use that to manipulate you, to make you stay or whatever. So that, that's one possibility. But assuming that the second possibility isn't true, if the, the first possibility is true and somebody respects you enough To say in front of you, hey, you know what, this is the issue I have. I get like very panicky, very quick. I feel so anxious all the time. And if I don't hear from you, I feel anxious. I think from my perspective, that is something that is very dealable. And I think it is worthy of being dealt with. So in that case, I personally don't understand really saying, listen, I need to put myself first. Bye bye. That means perhaps my, rela- my, my intention to get into that relationship from the beginning wasn't really anything meaningful, I can say. It was more to have fun and that's not fun. If I want to keep, if I have to work with somebody on a certain problem that they have or, and I think I don't have. But I don't think any long-term relationship can exist without two people working on any problem. So um, if that is the problem, right? If the, the biggest thing I have to do is keep reassuring this person every two hours, to me, that seems doable. Does that mean that I can never fail? Of course, there will be plenty of situations where um, I'm not able to do that. I have a long class or I'm going out with friends and I just forget I'm with my family, whatever. Then you negotiate. And I feel like also a lot of times very debilitating anxiety right it can be a phase not always but what i have observed is the brain if it gets the right environment it rewires itself to come out of that fight or flight mode to come as close to normal back as possible because that, uh, uh, that state of constant like fight and flight, constant panic isn't healthy and conducive for the mind as well. So given enough time and given a healthy environment, an environment where you can relax a bit, you are not under constant chronic stress, the brain will come back from um, debilitating anxiety. So certain tendencies may remain. For example, in my case, a few years ago, um, I had the level of anxiety that I can't even comprehend now. I used to work in the college mess deck, and every time before I had to go to work, I would get a bottle full of ice and I would keep chewing that ice just to suppress the thoughts of anxiety. Same, to suppress the thoughts of constant anxiety, I would sometimes eat a lot, sometimes drink a lot of coffee that had the opposite effect. Um, and today my brain does not function like that. That doesn't mean that I don't feel panic or anxious sometimes and there are certain remnants of that tendency of trying to over plan and over control but this is not even close to what that was. That actually took me to a stage where my I wasn't able to deal with my life. It became very difficult to deal with. Today it's like a normal experience like you experience anger once in a while you experience happiness once in a while you experience anxiety so it has come back to that level Um, I feel like given the right environment the brain does rewire itself and then if your partner is um, a patient of chronic depression or chronic anxiety then a lot of what their environment is going to be by default falls on you. So even if you, even if you don't meet that often or you live like um, away, their co-workers will also dictate some part, their friends, their family. But because just by the virtue of being in a relationship, uh, you end up becoming like the core source of what will shape their environment. And actually there's a lot you can do, there's a lot you can play with there. That doesn't mean that you have to be the savior. You can never be the savior, but you can realize that, okay, I happen to be in this situation where I actually can through by making little changes um, in like my life and the way I move uh, and the way I relate to this person, I can actually make it much easier for this person to come back to their normal state to uh, bring to pull themselves out of this debilitating cycle of anxiety Um, I feel like so there's another point that also when you are constantly pulling if I for example I'm my behavior is very pulley like I'm trying to pull in I'm trying to protect my privacy I'm trying to protect my space the The other person, they kind of sense that and the stronger I am trying to pull the more a person tends to, that tends to fuel their anxiety more Uh, because it can be perceived as they are shutting off on me. Uh, That doesn't mean that you shouldn't protect your personal space or you shouldn't have any personal space whatsoever. However, I feel like if you approach the situation with a certain sense of, listen, I'm here. Like I'm not going. We can have these arguments, we can have a bit of fight once in a while, but I'm not leaving. I'm here and I'm doing, you know. If I approach a relationship or I approach sometimes even a friendship with that attitude, I feel like it... it passes through to the other person it gets communicated to them and a lot of the anxiety can be relieved just by that just by me saying listen i'm not going anywhere so it forms sometimes a cycle i pull back and the other person becomes more anxious when they become more anxious it makes me more frustrated and i pull back more then as i pull back more they become even more anxious so the the threat of losing losing me perhaps or the threat of losing their partner for a person in anxiety it may keep increasing over time so the things that they do the the way they express it will also become more and more dramatic however if one of us um one of us stands our ground, right? One of us has to break that cycle, because it becomes a cycle. I'm feeding the anxiety, the anxiety is feeding me my aversion, then I'm feeding the anxiety again. When the cycle breaks, if I say that, okay, listen, now I'm going to approach this, and again, for that, I have to be clear in my head. If sometimes what happens is I feel And also in younger people and maybe also sometimes when they are older when you're in a relationship just because the novelty of it or because the fun of it then you can't really then that push and pull thing is what keeps it going because then there's mystery there's suspense whatever and you like it that way so you wouldn't really find a person interesting also who's opening up to you in that way saying that listen this is my truth because you want that game you know you want that just that game some mystery you want to portray an image of yourself and if the person is opening up in that way suddenly you start feeling like okay maybe there is nothing interesting to be um, to be got, gotten here there is nothing interesting for me here so that kind of puts you off uh, however if you are genuinely in a relationship not for the novelty for the fun or for the adrenaline uh, not for the you know not for the high of it then you can and your partner is anxious and you genuinely want to work on it and in anxiety they don't do things that are just not acceptable for example like I said violence is one thing not acceptable pulling you down calling you names abusing you disrespecting you in any way girls or guys not acceptable so if none of that is happening and whatever's happening is just frustrating it's not disrespectful it's not abuse it's just frustrating because every two hours i have to you know pacify you and every every day i have to explain you it can be draining sometimes But it is not something that cannot be worked through and especially if you bring a third person into the equation, uh, not a friend or anything but perhaps a therapist. So you go to a therapist, you start or a lot of us can't afford therapy, That's that's also true. So then perhaps honest communications are the best things. And even in honest communications, you will reach a lot of frustrating points because It becomes very, sometimes people become very easy to trigger when they are going through a certain phase of mind. Uh, The idea is to not excuse all actions of your partner in the name of whatever mental illness they have. That's never the idea or yourself also. The idea I think is to be able to identify okay why am I with this person and then if I'm really for like the actual companionship part actual like you know let's work through our troubles together part then identifying okay which of his activities are dealable and which are just not okay and if you feel that for the most part it is like this guy or this girl they're a genuinely nice person they are dealing with debilitating anxiety or they are dealing with depression and I can see that. Then from there you start uh, trying to work with whatever you have. A therapist would be great. If you can't afford it, most of us can't, then perhaps read up more and more about anxiety. That's what I would do if I didn't have access to a therapist, I would try to um, talk to this person the most important is my presence. If I feel like somebody is scared of losing me, the cat and mouse game, if I, if I try, the pulling away is the worst thing I can do. If, if they are scared of losing me and their anxiety, their fear is so frustrating then I, that I pull away. So I, I think I am adding to the fire. Um, So I have to decide then why am I here? Am I here for the high and this person because they have started needing me now. I'm not getting the high from them. So then you leave. But the second and if somebody is drowning, leaving them in the middle, depending on how deep they are. Sometimes they may be pretending. Sometimes it could be an emotional blackmail. Sometimes they may be genuinely drowning. So there's never an easy way to say that. I can never like generalize. But if the person is genuinely dr- uh, drowning and they are not using their situation to emotionally manipulate or blackmail you, then according to me, is it the most compassionate thing to do to leave somebody when they are drowning? No, it's not. If you feel guilty about it, is is some of the guilt warranted? Maybe. Because Maybe. a person was not able to help themselves and they asked they reached out to you and you weren't able to help them either but that was the fact if you are not able to help somebody you, you you are not able to do that the second if you really want to stay and you want to help and you feel like the reasons that you are with that person they supersede the anxiety phase and you feel like their behavior isn't really uh, isn't abusive at all it is you know it is frustrating it's an inconvenience to me So then you have to ask yourself, am I willing to go through that inconvenience? Not in a way that I enable this person, not in a way that I make this person more and more mentally dependent on me because that is going to defeat the entire purpose. But in a way that this person kind of knows that they don't have to worry about losing me. And once that happens, perhaps, maybe their mind will then have enough um enough energy for some time to try to set itself right the mind will set itself right but then the constant energy that is being spent on the constant fear of losing somebody or constant depression that has to stop and in in stopping that you can play a part by just being there by changing your attitude by um talking maybe It will be frustrating and challenging because our own lives are really tough. Like my own life, I I am in a different mood every day. So on some days, I will not be able to give my best obviously. On some days, I'll be like, you know what, F you. But I don't know, as long as you kind of know that, okay, this is the fight is temporary. The other person is frustrated, I am frustrated, the fight is temporary but then tomorrow is a new day and just because we fought, I am not disappearing. When you know it very clearly in your head, it kind of gets communicated to the other person as well. So perhaps, maybe, if uh, we, we go with this attitude in a matter of months, sometimes it may take years, like one, two years, I think, the, the mind kind of sets itself right and it becomes more and more functional and again, you don't have to be an enabler. So you don't want to become their crutch. You don't want to like become that thing that they lean on every single time. They don't want to face life. But as a friend, perhaps as a companion, you can um, create, you can help like you you are a part, you can play a part amongst many other things To create an atmosphere where their brain isn't really now expending so much of its energy on this chase, on fear of losing, then pulling, then pushing. And it has some space to heal itself. And from there you can like go places. Maybe once they recover. Maybe after two years you guys may not want to be together in the same way. I I really don't know but... That is a way that you can play perhaps a more productive, a more healing part. You're not a healer, you're not a saviour. But you know, for, for some time you're just helping somebody heal like a little bit. Most of the work is theirs to do. But you're just like there giving it a little bit um, energy from your side. That's it. But again, for, to do this, there has to be willingness. And you will know whether or not that willingness is in your heart or not. Yeah, so that's what I thought about this. Thank you very much. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. There's a very beautiful quote that says, um, I forgot where I read it, but it says, regret is the price that we pay for perspective and it is so true actually the older that i get the truer it feels Um, when you're in a situation it is very difficult to really look at that situation in an educative way in a way that perhaps you'll be able to learn something from it or learn something about yourself through that situation because when you're in a uh, in a situation you're too attached so you're always wanting or desiring a certain thing to happen and a certain thing to not happen and all of that and that wanting actually keeps us from looking at a situation for what it is versus what we would like for it to be you always kind of deflect whatever you see a little bit so that so that you still have hope to believe in what you want to believe in but as distance increases from a certain situation in life or from a certain place um, i think perspective comes Perspective is a beautiful thing, but a side effect of perspective is regret And honestly, I don't really understand people who say that they they don't regret anything or there's no regret Because I really don't know um, With perspective about any situation, no matter even situations which have gone well you know even most situations where you did reasonably well that you don't feel too bad about with perspective how can you not how can you not see the situation more clearly and therefore see a better way you could have gone about the situation and this is just situations that did go well but there are plenty of situations that sometimes don't go well And with time, perspective also brings a lot of regret. Um, Things that, you know, things that you you feel that you should have understood or you should have known. I personally do have a lot of regrets. And maybe the more self-critical you are, the more regrets you have. I don't know. But I don't necessarily feel that regret is something that you should fight is it a heavy thing to carry of course it's a heavy thing to carry but if it's there it's there some realizations sometimes they can actually be um, strong enough Uh, or certain things that you you have done sometimes I feel like they can be maybe you did act in a way where you felt like This was just stupid or this was too wrong or how could I not get it? I don't think as much as people say um, regret isn't good, I feel like it's a natural consequence of understanding. And if something has come naturally, you, you don't really want to just start fighting it off. Um... For that matter, even resentment. There's so much talk about don't harbour resentment. Fine, harbouring any anything that takes a lot away from your energy isn't good. But then resentment also tells us so much about ourselves, right? Usually, um, when we are resentful, we feel like a victim. And that's what causes the resentment. And if at any point in life we are feeling like a victim, maybe we perhaps we didn't stand up for ourselves enough in the future uh, in the past i really don't know so in that so in that aspect resentment or bitterness they can actually reveal a lot about ourselves and when you have not if you are particularly introverted or shy i feel like generally standing up for yourself learning to learning to be ready for a confrontation when it's necessary to protect yourself or just to stand up for certain for a certain thing that you believe in it can be a very long process and it goes sometimes directly against your nature or how you have behaved for so for so long and that change in order to make that change it may not always just the knowledge that you have to change that may not always be enough because even if you know it, it is good to stand up for yourself first of all, most of us don't even know we just feel that confrontation usually is a bad thing especially I think more for females you feel like you don't want any kind of confrontation now, even if you do believe that fine, I have to stand up for myself I don't want to get walked over I have to live a life that I have to live a life that is full of self-respect and some kind of dignity where I have, you know, I don't necessarily win every fight but I stand up for what I believe in. I don't get walked over. Even if you go with that attitude, if you are, if your personality is is the, is the one where you don't like confrontation, just making yourself take that extra step be possible unless something so big has happened or something so something has happened that has hurt you so deeply that now you that hurt then shifts your perspective because it's also muscle memory right the things that we do all the time are the things that become the easiest to do and then if you want to do a new thing it's always it's difficult because the brain isn't used to that. And sometimes I feel like when you have this habit of avoiding confrontation at all costs or trying to be likable at all costs, uh, even at the cost of some, someone walking over you, it can take something, some form of really deep hurt sometimes for you to get jolted out of that habit not necessary sometimes understanding can be that deep and powerful but just generally i feel um, if there's a certain habit then breaking that habit will um, involve pain and discomfort i think one of the trickiest things about silence is and that's why silences become more and more difficult to handle is that a lot of the old regret and shame comes back to haunt us Uh, it always does come, come back to haunt me to be honest I'm not sure what can be done about it and honestly I really don't think regret or resentment or shame necessarily are bad things but they can be used in a good way like um, they can be used to mobilize parts of ourselves that have been immobile for so long that it takes a jolt like it takes something extreme to start using those parts of ourselves resentment can be um, Resentment can be uh, an indication of the fact that you have let yourself be, uh, you have let yourself get walked over too much. And now that's the space that you're comfortable with. You are comfortable with not standing up for yourself. Uh, when somebody talks down to you, you are comfortable with just taking that. If in a certain interaction you feel wronged and you can't really pinpoint what, where that feeling is coming from, Without really giving it a rational thought to understand, okay, is it my own projection, my own overthinking, or did some somebody actually do something that that was a little bit that involved a little bit overstepping? Sometimes when you are so used to avoiding confrontation and um, trying to you know trying to just be liked or accepted automatically in a situation in a situation where you feel wronged you assign the blame to yourself and that becomes another reason for shame because now i feel angry and then i feel ashamed of feeling angry because uh, obviously my overthinking must have caused this anger or obviously i am oversensitive that's why i'm feeling offended or angry or whatever it is Sometimes those habits become so ingrained that something that causes deep pain can actually make us aware of our own patterns. And when, when, when we start working on ourselves, when we do, do decide, that hey, from now on, I'm going to try to live a life where I do stand up, not to prove a point, but just because I exist. So there are going to be certain things that I believe in. And I'm going to stand up, uh, not again to gain respect, but just as a sign that I respect myself. I'm going to stand up for those things. Now, I think standing up, The thought of standing up is very easy. And standing up also is easy when there are no stakes involved. Where there are stakes involved, any kind of a stake, big or small, where there's something to lose, um, we never know whether or not we will be able to stand up until the situation comes. And again, that itself, if I live a life of integrity, right, if from day to day I don't live a life that signifies a weak mind, I don't give in to... I, I try to keep the promises that I make to myself, uh, basically. I try to live a life that can be called a life of integrity. Then, um, perhaps I can hope that when there is a situation in life where something is at stake and I am required to stand up for something that I believe in, I will be able to. I can barely hope. But in day-to-day life, if I am leading a life that tells me I have a very weak mind, if I am not able to most of the promises, like if I am not able to keep my promises to myself, I am giving in to all kinds of temptations. I did, then I think there's very little hope that one day suddenly my mind is now not going to do what it's m- most comfortable doing, which is choose the easier way. Um, that is a different ball game altogether to live a life of, of respect of respect for yourself, self-respect and some dignity. That is a huge feat because it's not easy and it's very rare very rare to become a person of integrity to become a person who's true to themselves it's so difficult so difficult it's like a struggle because you are struggling with a part of like a whole part of your own self every day so that's the whole ball game but just to realize that you need to be this person. Just to realize that you are in this life and you do need to stand up for yourself. You do need to... You need to become someone, not in an arrogant way, like I am someone. But in a way that, you know, the basic human dignity. The... I am I'm not special then the rest i'm not more special than the rest of the people but i'm a human being so like everyone else i deserve to be heard i deserve to be seen and even if i have not achieved anything uh, great i still deserve to be treated with some basic dignity that even to feel that when you have lived a life where you are trying to you are so used to not standing up for yourself you're sometimes with people who are very shy or introverted, I think this happens the most. that you've spent so much time not standing up for yourself. You just you don't know how to do that after a point. And for me at least, this all the, all the feelings that I mentioned, the, the shame, the resentment, the pain that it caused it um, kind of accelerated me or and also made me see my own life in a very different way um, from someone who's always, if I'm feeling lonely, I feel shame for feeling lonely. If I'm feeling angry, I feel shame for feeling angry. To feel like, no, if I feel wronged, I have the right to feel wronged and then I can look at the situation and feel like, okay, did someone really do something or is it my own feeling? But I I can feel the way I feel, right? And once you have realized that and once you start changing your behavior, once, for example, I say that, okay, I want to be someone with integrity someone who stands their ground to live life with some self-respect I want to be that person I don't want to be that person who's very easy to walk over who's in a way incapable of standing up for herself or himself once that decision is taken now we know how to use the, the feelings that we have in a resourceful way perhaps however even then There is constant danger of us being overpowered by those feelings. Of those feelings becoming places that we can dwell into longer than um, it is productive to dwell into them. To overdo something is as much of a danger as it is to underdo something. And the trick lies in the balance, right? And that balance is extremely difficult to strike. Of course, there will be days where I'll still sometimes not be able to stand up for myself, even though that happens less now. And there will be days where... um, I feel so bitter, perhaps or so resentful that I get angry at things which I shouldn't be angry about and it's a constant struggle, it's a constant struggle. It's also a struggle sometimes in relationships and friendships cause there is a part of you like the, the, I don't know what to call it, the the do-gooder part of you the pure angelic part of you that wants to give it all and then there is the other part of you that has seen when um, that has seen consequences of giving it all and that knows that the world isn't like that so you have to tread the path with a with balance and that balance can be can be a struggle if I see a friend who's in trouble or if I see someone I'm in a relationship with they are in trouble you want to go out of the way to help them and how much do you go? Um, do you go up to the point where you yourself are in trouble? and uh, there will be relationships right where you would go to that extent I think parent children relationship is one such relationship where most parents not all of course but a lot of them will um, give their lives to save their their children's lives sometimes you may have your partner who you will give your life for or you'll go to to an extent that is that you wouldn't go for the rest of the world Um, sometimes you may have a friend who's so special that you would do that too but obviously again that's not something that you can do for everyone you always keep asking how much am I giving that that will be too much because it is equally possible that you give with that you exhaust yourself in a relationship or friendship only for relationship or friendship to end or to or for you to be abandoned or disappointed or sometimes betrayed all of those possibilities you always keep asking yourself how do I tread a balance while still being honest and kind of living a life of some integrity yeah these questions they are very it's like an everyday everyday um, struggle struggle or an everyday practice and some days you overdo it some days you underdo it when when we were all growing up most of us at least when i was growing up you imagine perfection and you want to be that perfection in some way Maybe that I'll be a perfect friend, I'll be a perfect girlfriend, or boyfriend, or wife, or husband, or whatever it is. And then when things happen in reality, you realize that there, there is a, and especially the older you are, I think it's easier to, when you're more innocent, it is easier to give more unabashedly. Without thinking, but the older you grow, you all you always question because you are so aware of your own vulnerability and your own capacity to fall, and potentially not be able to get back up. That you're always questioning. Okay, how much should I give? Um, How much should I hold back, while still? Retaining some sense of purity in this relationship or friendship that I have or in this interaction that I have? A very difficult question, and no book can give the answer to that. Um, Yeah. There are very, like, Instagram or Facebook quote replies. Like, oh, don't regret anything, or oh, give it all. All of that is fine, and in some ways, I do understand where all of that comes from. But in the daily practice of of life, one sentence isn't enough. It's Life is too complicated, and there are too many things going on, really. Uh, Somewhere I heard this quote, not mine again, I heard it from someone. They said, life is beautiful, but living is not. So the daily practice, the daily grind of waking up, going to work, then being present for yourself, being present for your family or your boyfriend or girlfriend or friends, being aware of your struggles and your plans and then being aware of their struggles and their plans when you are falling try to pick yourself up when your partner is falling or your friend or your family member is falling trying to pick themselves up without falling yourself and sometimes not able to do sometimes not being able to do that sometimes saying that hey you know what I want to but I I feel like if I come in more I will fall myself and I, I just don't feel confident just accepting that you want to you want to give it all but you are too grown up and you know that you can't help but calculate you can't help but say that hey I know you know I really want to give it all but if I come there, I will fall and perhaps with me, some other people will fall too, like my parents will fall too, something like that, just that daily experience, no no book can really provide that, they can give catchphrases like oh draw boundaries etc 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 but then where and how and when do you draw a boundary, that thing is so fluid and it changes every day yeah, it's not easy and it's nothing like you can only know it by living it and you really never know whether your decision or your reaction to a certain situation is right, noble or is a reaction that is coming from a place of integrity or is it coming from a place of fear or is it coming from a place of calculation very difficult and sometimes you have to do things that don't make you feel very good about yourself and even those things sometimes when you don't have an option you try to do them with some awareness with some understanding of just the helplessness of being human and being in that situation yeah so we started with regret and now we are talking about integrity and how to live a life of some self-respect and integrity it's never easy and perspective inevitably I think will bring regret because everything that I am doing today In five years, there's no way that I wouldn't have found a better way to to do these things. And also, because you are distant from the situation, you have no attachment to the situation. So it's very easy to see like, oh shit, why why did I do this? I should have done that. Or why did I even think that? What was I thinking? What was I smoking? All of these questions, they are so natural. I don't necessarily think regret is a bad thing, it can be, it can be paralyzing, yes, and that one has to be aware of, because it can drain people of all the energy that they have, um, if it's strong enough, and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it's livable. And sometimes when you've made a mistake or you've done something stupid, um, it isn't such a bad idea to remember that, hey, this is something that I did and this was incredibly stupid so that I I don't do it again. Yep. That's all I had to say today. Bye-bye, good night.